I'm most American when I reach for more ketchup, as Shawna Miller dives across the finish. I'm blackest when Allison Felix collapses on the track, knees up, concealing her last name and the letters U-S-A, blistering her chest. All right, my name is Damian Warner. I'm Clayton Murphy. Javian Oliver. I'm Chris Nielsen. This is Fred Curley. I'm Justin Gatlin. I'm Katerina Stefanidi. I'm Michael Norman. Muhammad Ahmed. And I'm Raven Saunders. This is Tiana Daniels. I'm Darrell Hill. And this is Personal Podium. And this is Personal Podiums. This is Personal Podiums. And this is Personal Podiums. Personal Podiums is a podcast featuring the world's best athletes who spend their careers striving for the podium. We believe everyone can find inspiration in an athlete's journey. So we created a platform to amplify the stories that make them who they are. A virtual podium, if you will. We're your hosts. I'm Marielle Hall. I'm Jared Walker. And I'm Dan Fitzgerald. That was our co-host, Marielle Hall, reading a poem by Destiny O. Birdsong. Destiny has some of the sharpest and most deliberate commentary on race within female athletics. She offers a lens of observation that creates context to what circumstances Black women compete under. Let me just tell you right now, this episode is about a lot more than just ketchup and french fries. This episode is about the 100 meter women. 100 meter dash is the premier event of track and field. In a sport defined by speed, it's the only one that bestows the title world's fastest woman or world's fastest man. It's big time. Athletes go from the 100 meters to crossover superstardom most often. You know the names, athletes who dazzled on the track and blazed into popular culture from the 80s through the 2000s. Flojo, Florence Griffith Joyner, whose style and speed captivated the nation and whose records still stand. Carl Lewis, who dominated the long jump, the 100 and the 200 for more than a decade. And Usain Bolt, who smashed the 100-meter and 200-meter world records and made track and field look like a star-studded global party in the process. There was a lot of noise in the women's 100 meters this year with Shakari in the trials and the Jamaican sweep of the Olympics led by the legends Elaine Thompson-Hurrah and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. Representing the United States in Tokyo, our top two women in the 100 meters were Tiana Daniels and Javian Oliver. Their careers overlap a lot, as one might imagine, and you'll also notice in our conversations that the level of support they have and their cultivation of mental strength also align. When it comes to results, they are close. At the 2018 Indoor National Championships, they were first and third in the 60 meters with Javian two-tenths of a second and two athletes ahead of Tiana. At the 2019 Outdoor Nationals, Tiana was on top of the podium this time as the 100-meter champion. At the 2020 Olympic trials, the battle came down to four one-hundredths of a second. Javian was second and Tiana Daniels third. In Tokyo, in the 100 meter final, Tiana placed seventh. In the women's four by 100 meters, Javian ran leadoff, handing the baton to Tiana. The duo set the stage for Team USA to earn the silver medal. At the 2021 Prefontaine Classic, they both broke the 11 second barrier with TD hitting 10.83 and Javian 10.96. The first voice we're going to hear is Linda Latson, an educator and entrepreneur, founder and principal of Kids College Primary School in Orlando. She's also Tiana Daniels' mom. 
Yeah, but she she told you the story how she started. Mm -mm, I didn't. No. So I was a track runner myself in high school, and um, I didn't get the support mm. <laughs> that you know I I've tried to give her for the years. So um, when she was eight years old, um, she was outside running, you know, with the kids, with, the, with boys more so, just regular kids. And so she was running with boys with flip flops on, mm. and she was beating them. So I was like, wait a minute, go inside, put on some tennis shoes, and do that again. <laughs> and, and so she went inside, put on some tennis shoes, and smoked them. So I said, you know what? You got to be on someone's track team. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, yeah. That's where it kind of all started at mm -hmm. when she was eight years old. Well, she didn't tell me that story, but she yeah. cited eight years old. Yeah, so that was, yeah. I'm glad, yeah. thank God you came in. Yeah, she, yeah that's the way it was. And uh, yeah, so she's been running ever since, mm -hmm. you know, nonstop, literally. Shout out to Mama Linda. Clearly, Mama Linda is extremely proud of her baby. Tiana, give your mama a hug and a kiss if you're listening right now. Um, now we're going to jump into Javian. Javian was not only beating her cousins, but she was beating her uncles. And I want to explain, that's her grandparents' sons, okay? You got to do the math. Here's Javian. Yeah, I have a, a lot of boy cousins, mm. and I'm, I'm from like a really small town in Georgia, so we didn't have much to do. So we used to just like run on the dirt roads, and I used to race like people's dads down the dirt roads. <laughs> and so I think it started there. I was like, oh, I can run, because I used to beat the guys. So yeah. it started just having nothing to do, and I was like, okay, well. We just gonna keep running, see where it takes me. Started with the cousins, yeah. moved up to the dads. Yeah, yeah. just we used to do it for money, and then I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I guess I'll keep doing it. <laughs> we all know it takes a supreme level of talent to rise in the hundred meters, whether it's high school, college, never mind the pros. The supreme physicality is a given, and both of these ladies agree that it's the same piece that has allowed them to rise. It's their mental game. I know I have the talent. Like, the talent is definitely there. Um, but I would say my mental, I had, I really, ha I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm still learning, but I really had to master how to control my thoughts and how to control that good and bad energy. Because mm -hmm. I, now my thought process with everything is I'm going to take the good and the bad with the same type of mentality I'm not gonna give too much energy into the good because if you know you that only lasts for a little while right and I'm not gonna give too much energy to the bad because that's only gonna last a little right. while too <laughs> so you know if I just go in it with you know gratitude uh, with both you know I can you know uh, I'll be okay at the end of the day so I feel like mentally me being my, my mental state right now is what I Ma I'm trying to master in what has gotten me to this level. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And and you said you do yoga as well? Yeah. How, yeah. How, uh, how, how do you incorporate yoga into your practice? Well, I've been practicing yoga since high school, um, really, if I'm being honest. Oh, cool. <laughs> but I actually started to get serious uh, this year because I was always, I was really nervous to get my certification because I'm like, oh, this is just a hobby. Like, I don't need to get a certification. But I'm so, so happy that I did it because the women that I met, um, the men and women that I met throughout that process in my 
teachers, they definitely helped me with my confidence, you know, and yeah. I feel like that definitely reflected on the track and in my personal life too. Mm-hmm. Um, being more confident in what I say, like, like I said, the breath work that yeah. I got introduced with that when I started my training, um, that, and it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would definitely say even with, you know, yoga is a, is also a physical thing too. Um, be stretching and yep. you know being flexible and yeah. uh, you know just or just even understanding how my body feels like i am so in tune with my body now like mm-hmm. i know when something's like really really wrong and like how to identify it yep. and i can like tell communicate that with my medical uh person and he like okay yeah i, I see that too yeah. so i would say i'll say yeah def- yoga is definitely like amplified my experience now as a professional athlete how do you stay positive and optimistic uh and Mm forward-looking as an athlete it's just circling back to the gratitude part um just being appreciative of everything that i do have and not putting like i said putting too much energy into what i don't have i mean i can say that i don't have a lot that you know some of the other uh elite women athletes have but i'm so grateful and thankful for for the things that i have accomplished and what i can accomplish so I would say that, just looking forward to the future and appreciating the present. You know, the biggest thing for me that I was working on was my mental. Um, and it's a mindset that I never really adopted until this year. I never thought like it's, I know like physically I was ready, but you never think about how important like your mind is during those times. So I just know like going into this meet and going to like the four by one, I had to think, I had to be smart. I couldn't just, you know, go out there and not do anything or just like go through the motions. I had to think, I think about my form. I think about how I want to come out the blocks. So I know just like talking with my coach, we we always discuss me, I need to think. I'm one of those runners he had to like repeat, like think, think about what you're doing, think about what you want to do instead of just going. Mm-hmm. So going into the Olympics and really going into this entire season, I tapped into my mental and mental health and make sure I was good before practice and then making sure my mind during practice was turned on. Mm. I'm glad more people are talking about it, uh, especially like in the black community. I know uh, it's not really talked about and it just, I feel like currently is more acceptable to talk about, especially like being from the South, um, growing up like near churches. I feel like mental health was always like a pray about it type of thing, but yeah. it's a real thing and I think I'm glad more people are talking about it because I think a lot of people were kind of ashamed to talk about like being depressed or anxiety and I'm glad because I didn't know a lot like especially a lot of track athletes I didn't know a lot of us were dealing with that type of thing or like the pressure in track meets I thought you mean people don't talk about it so you don't know who to like reach out to or who to compare yourself to but I am so glad people are talking about it because it just brings some ease it gives people um more resources. I feel like resources are more available. More people are offering resources. What tips or tricks do you have to keep that mental game sharp? You know, is there is there something that you um, adopted? Any anything that helps you stay centered and um, execute that part? Yeah. So after practice, I completely decompress. I don't. I don't want to talk about track. I don't want to think about track. I don't want anybody calling me about track. <laughs> it's just because it's just I need that time for myself. Yeah. And I learned when I t- like took care of myself at home, when I woke up in the morning, I didn't feel exhausted or like felt like I didn't want to go to practice and I feel like running. So that's one of the biggest things I adopted. I had to learn to decompress and not take things I did at practice. Say if I didn't have a good day, it was just not a good day at the track. Once I got in the car and left, that bad day was 
in the back of my mind and think about it and then try again the next day. Yeah. That job, the four by one leadoff job, seems like by far mm -hmm. the most stressful of all the relay jobs because you have to start in blocks mm -hmm. with a baton. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely stressful because um, I feel like you have to think more on that leg. Like I have to use the blocks. I have to get out. Um, I have to make sure when I get out the blocks, the baton's in my hand and not just because I hold it like with a couple of fingers until I'm ready to get up and go. Then when you like you're starting, you're like, okay, here I go. But you got to be on the left one side of the track, one or the other. I forgot. Yeah. And it's just like I was like, dang, this is a lot of thinking. But I mean, it is what it is. It, I mean, it's a hard leg. And then I had to make sure I wanted to make a stagger. So I was like, let me at least get somebody so my teammates ain't got to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like that was my main goal. I mean, I thought about the other things, but it kind of like went by and flashed by after I realized like, okay, I got to get somebody so. We can get a medal and that's all I did after after the set go it kind of went blank what race are you most proud of Oof. oh there's so many <laughs> could be that one back when you were eight in the flip-flop right. does, does it need to be one that I've seen yeah <laughs> um oh man I would have to say I, maybe I think that I think that might be yeah no you know what I would say the race the regional no not regionals that was in 2018 at big 12s when I won oh, the 100 meter right after, right after my dad passed yeah, I would yeah. say that was probably like yeah. one of because I I didn't train like I I was so mentally and physically out of it like but I still went to big 12s and tried to perform as best I could for my team um, and I ended up winning the 100 and getting 10 points for the, for everybody. So I was, like, really happy about that because I was like, all right, like, I can still do this. Like, I'm not I'm not just – this situation isn't isn't going to make me. You know, like, losing losing my dad isn't isn't the end of my journey. And I ended up running 11-11 too, so that was a, <laughs> that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think that one was 2018 Big 12s, so yeah, and 100. Oh, I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy. Were you there for that one? I wasn't there. But I yeah. was able to see, you know, they had some photos of oh, her. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And she was emotional as well. Yeah. And I know it was all a reflection of her losing her dad, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, as well. So, yeah. 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 But I was there for the 60 meter um, in um, Birmingham. Mm -hmm. in Birmingham. And she had taken down the... Junior record. The junior record, mm -hmm. right? It was up for like how many years? Twenty-five uh, years. Oh no, at Texas, yes, Texas, it was up yeah, for yeah. Texas. The, the Texas, I beat the Texas record and I beat the uh, the American junior record right, yeah. at the time yeah. um, of seven seven eleven. Yeah. So, elevens are my thing. Elevens yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are my thing, but I love tens as well. <laughs> okay. Right. Now we're into the ten. What individual performance are you most proud of? Um, honestly, probably my final at trials. I mean, that's probably the most determined race I've ever ran in my life. Like, <laughs> I was going for it. <laughs> uh, that's the most proud because I know going into that meet, uh, my body felt like crap. And then I had to, like, try to mentally 
lock in not to focus on that type of thing because I'm pretty sure everyone else's body felt like crap. Right. So that was my most proud because sometimes I get down with injuries or things that are really bothering me and focus on that. But I had a totally different goal that day. So I'm really proud of that performance. Yeah. These stories we heard are relatable, lighthearted, and hopefully made you feel more connected to Javian and Tiana. You can see that they are people just like you and me, just with amazing abilities. But what you don't see is that there are additional pressures out there beyond the track that even the fastest people, women, can't outrun. Marielle, as a fellow Olympian, a professional runner that has literally competed on the world's largest stage, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I loved hearing their their origin stories, their preparation for battle, how they how they get ready to take on on competition on a day to day basis. But also within hearing their stories, I'm always reminded of you know the context in which they're competing in, which is why you know, we, I felt like I really wanted to share the, the poem that we read the first few stanzas of in the beginning. I felt like it, having context, having an, an origin story for something is really important and helpful to, to better, just for better understanding. I think that's helped me a lot in my, in my life. It's, you know, not feeling when faced with, with tough circumstances, when faced with things that feel unfair and, and not right, really trying to keep carving out the meaning and understanding, okay, why does this exist in this way? Why is this happening? You know, I know one of the things that you had mentioned earlier was like, and this, this really resonated with me when you said it, uh, was like all, all this time while I, you know, I feel, I, was, I would feel like, oh, I know that, you know, what the athletes go through, or I feel like I can understand in some way, shape or form, right? Even more than the average person that might, you know, be pissed when someone isn't on their A game. But I understand like, man, maybe they're going through something, but not necessarily knowing or understanding the specifics, right? And how could I, as, as much as I would try, understand that of a woman, let alone a Black woman. And reading the poem, hearing you speak, it made me stop and like really think about like dealing with that challenge that doesn't, shouldn't be a challenge um, while then dealing with like competing on the world's largest stage and having to be the best version of yourself in order to, you know, compete or to make it to the Olympics or get that medal. And like my whole perspective has changed because of the conversation that we had. One of the reasons I felt really adamant about including this poem in the episode is that, you know, because despite its sad tone, it really became a resource of encouragement to me personally. And I hope that, you know, other people will feel the same way, but it kind of served as this reminder to not sacrifice elements of yourself in the pursuit of the thing. You know, because there are these real tangible systems or people in place that serve as, as roadblocks and you haven't dramatized them, you haven't made them up as excuses. There is real visceral hate and violence and lack of respect 
for black women's humanity that exists and you know permeates its its way into sport and sometimes when you feel as if you're experiencing these things in isolation or nobody's put a name to it it's easier to lose yourself in it and maybe not give yourself the respect and the credit that you deserve and so it's it's nice to have that reminder in in this work that that instead of changing yourself to spit to fit the space you know bring all of yourself and I just really love that this work you know challenges you it challenges you to view athletics and black women within context not just in isolation to really understand what people and things and kind of like the history of where we are how that all plays into the performances we see on the track and you know, it validates the challenge, not just the physical challenge of, you know, can I get to the line first, but the mental challenge that, that can create a physical toll on people. And I, I just think it's a really incredible piece of writing. Every time I read it, I think you all feel the same way is, you know, we find something new. And that's just a really cool part of the poetry is you can sit with it a little longer um, and it's nice when you're trying to engage with these harder topics, it's nice to be able to do it in an art form, you know, rather than maybe a video of someone's death or a news article. It's, it's nice to be able to engage with hard things in different ways because it brings new, new vantage points that that can really, I think, contribute to kind of moving the meter forward on, on some of these issues. Now we're going to hear the poem, The 400 Meter Heat by Destiny O. Birdsong in its entirety as read by Mario Hall. Immediately following the poem, you're going to hear live race sound from the 2021 Prefontaine Classic where the Jamaican contingent of Elaine Thompson Hurrah Shelly-Ann Fraser-Price, and Sharika Jackson squared off against the top Americans, including Tiana Daniels, Javian Oliver, and Shakari Richardson. And now, Marielle Hall. I'm most American when I reach for more ketchup, as Shawna Miller dives across the finish. I'm blackest when Allison Felix collapses on the track, knees up, concealing her last name and the letters U-S-A blistering her chest. I'm saddest whenever two black women are competing because I never know who to root for. And I'm arrogant enough to believe my split loyalty fails them, which makes me more American again. This is how it feels to be a problem. Hoping that when a country's cameras are trained on your back and you offer the fruited plane of your body, it's somehow enough to quench the parched lands where all the mothers keep dying each ghost a breath song trilling in your blood, and perhaps one day, grand mall convulsions. Petechia, like pomegranate seeds jeweling your face. Every race is a transubstantiation of flesh, just not to gold or bronze or mythical filigree, but to the fleeting nameless moment when a foot finds the chalk line drawn by someone else. Maybe hashtag magic, or a single unfortunate tremor that means nothing until you're dead. Who knows what metals the gods use to forge victory, which is neither sympathy nor love, nor more sacred than the footfall 
its indiscernible blip magnified for millions of eyes that only blink when we're winning, which you too probably missed. Although later, in the dash cam footage, you'll swear to me you saw it. Personal Podiums is hosted by Mariel Hall, Jarek Walker, and Dan Fitzgerald. Our show is edited by Naya Keenan. The poem featured in today's show is called The 400 Meter Heat by Destiny O. Birdsong. It is from her debut collection of poems entitled Negotiations, published by Tin House Books. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Nike Running for access to Javian and Tiana. <laughs>